0: This is the business of sports.
1: We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern
0: times.
2: The pandemic
3: here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. Almost
2: everyone out there is hoping that there's some kind of return to normal by August, September.
0: In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry.
1: Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part
2: of something much bigger than sport right now. And the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all, from a business perspective, thinking about the impact that the virus is
0: having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports, from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Kelly. I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry.
3: Well, and today, we're going to get some perspective on COVID-19's effect at your local neighborhood fitness center. Your workout place that you haven't probably been to in quite some time. We're going to talk about both ends of the economic spectrum. We're going to sit down with the Planet Fitness CEO, Chris Rondo, and also the chairman of Equinox, Harvey Spivak. But first, let's talk about, guys, some of the top stories of the week. It's a tale of three sports in many ways. Let's start with baseball. I feel like. There was a lot of enthusiasm here, Michael Barr, and then it's really kind of ground to a halt, maybe.
0: Well, part of it is because Major League Baseball, they gave the MLB Players Association two options, (laughs) and the uh, Players Association, they, they don't like either one. In fact, it has come down to the point where Major League Baseball said, okay, look, if you guys, you know, don't like the money, uh, wait until the fans come in in 2021. Which brings up the point that you see now – where a lot of the money and their business structure for the Major League Baseball owners in paying the players, where it comes in, Mike Lynch.
1: Well, we all know that the Major League Baseball Players Association is the most powerful of the top four major sports, but they're also the most obstinate, and they have been since its inception. And they did themselves a big disservice last week when Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner, says, I'm not playing till I get mine. I'm risking my life out there, and it's not worth it. And he's due to make $7 million this year. And if we go with the prorated season, he'd make $3.5 million. And that's not sitting well with people that are filing unemployment, standing in line for groceries around this country. I thought that was a bad, bad move uh, by, by Snell, which sort of represented the feelings and the posture of the players
3: association. I have to say I'm having a really tough time with this because the optics are really really tricky here and you know it was interesting speaking with Rachel Luba sports agent and baseball agent Trevor Bauer's agent earlier this week and you know she was pointing out that it's it's sort of brilliant in kind of a perverse way that somehow the public is siding with the billionaire owners over the millionaire players in, in some cases. <laughs> but she also makes the point that, you know, some of the players are not millionaires. And, you know, it, it's such an interesting moment where you have essentially, like, the good of the country being invoked. And that plays into exactly what you were just saying, uh, Mike, about, you know, the the optics of this and someone who's filing for unemployment. Um, this is also coming at a time, Mike, where baseball's popularity, I mean, not to go too grandiose about this, but baseball's popularity... Already, at least for a certain generation, is is a little bit on the wane. How much do you worry that this sort of triggers an even deeper existential crisis?
1: The collision is going to happen here if if the NBA comes back and the National Hockey League comes back and they're competing at the same time with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is trying to change the demographics, get some young people to watch it, uh, to speed up the games, make it more interesting to watch. And now with this posturing going on right here, this selfishness by the players, is just not going to sit well. And I think it's really going to set major league baseball back a long long way
0: let me break it down real here the rehab centers across the nation they have seen an increase in traffic of people who are afraid of covid19 who have anxiety who are depressed they've lost their job they don't know where the income is coming from that has gone up over 300 percent since this whole pandemic started so, and I'm even gonna to, to get on the the players who aren't millionaires, but they sure are hundred thousandaires, and that's way more than what these poor people out here are are trying to survive and get by. So, when you try to bring that message to someone who maybe at the bottom end in Major League Baseball makes six figures, the general public doesn't want to hear it. Let's take a look now at the NBA. Oh, oh. The season could restart. It is gaining some momentum. Guess what, gang? They're going to Disney World.
3: I have to say, I love this story in part because there is some real optimism here. And I don't know, like one of the things that strikes me about this as I was thinking about it is, you know, Adam Silver, you can never count that guy out. Like he's sort of a grinder in the in the back of the, you know, sort of behind the scenes, kind of making this happen Working the work, kind of talking to everybody he needs to talk to, I guess the, it's really going to come down to, Mike, like, can they get the right venue and can they get everybody comfortable? Those are the obvious questions. Why do you think the NBA has maybe made some progress where others haven't?
1: The players in the NBA, they really, really like and respect Adam Silver. They consider him a partner. And I love this idea of Disney and Vegas. It sort of reminds me of an Olympic setup where you could have a little hotel complex where the players would be in something comparable to the Olympic Village and all the games are played at the same venue. Maybe Eastern Conference uh, they're talking about at Disney, Western Conference in Vegas. Uh, the only issue to be ironed out Do you resume the schedule with all 30 teams or do you just start a a playoff with 16 teams or do you have a play-in?
3: Right, yeah. I mean, it feels like there are a couple different options here i mean one of the things that that does come up though and and i think we've all been thinking about this to some extent having watched the last dance as obsessively as the rest of the country has and we can have a a debate another time about whether this would have been so well watched had there been you know actual sports on tv but you're reminded though of the energy of the fans and those arenas i mean NBA arenas, especially with really exciting teams, and let's be honest, there are some really exciting players in the game right now. Is this going to be too weird to watch? I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, Michael, but it does feel a little strange.
0: Well, yes. Uh, First, the strange part is going to be we're going to have sports back on after months (laughs) of not having anything. Now, the NBA, they're hopeful that they're going to restart this season by mid-July. In fact, the Knicks and Nets They're hoping to see their players return to train in New York as early as next month. So let's cross our fingers. Uh, If that happens, it will be great.
3: I am interested to see if they can pull this off. And, you know, Mike, as you point out, part of the debate is going to be, you know, who comes back. You know, if you are completely out of the hunt, do you wanna commit to all of this? I mean what's your take what do you think is the best scenario?
1: I'd say we come back with the sixteen teams that are in the playoffs right now and just make it exciting. The other teams could care less. They're building for next year. They're looking toward the draft and and I, I just think right now it's it. The NBA playoffs is a long season. It's two months anyway. If you really right. did it, uh, you know, normally. So you've got to you've got to condense this thing a little bit. I like I'd like bringing back the sixteen teams in the playoffs, and then just go with a regular full playoff slate.
3: Exactly. Well, and if you have those 16 teams and there's not a plan, then all the, you know, the guys like us will have something to debate about. It's like, well, so and so, you know, Knicks could have made a run, which, you know, that's just <laughs> a sad it's a sad state of affairs that, you know, we're subject to, you know, because I don't know if you were if you realize this, Mike, but here in New York, we don't have sort of this raft of championships uh, over the last <laughs> few years. Uh, that may, you, you may not remember we, that.
1: We can lend a few out. Yeah. Uh, you
3: know, yeah. I'm going to Detroit
0: guy. It, you know, know. Anyway, I'm moving right <laughs> on. Let's bring up something happy. That's yeah. right. NASCAR is back. They had the first Darlington race on Sunday, last Sunday. And then they raced again Wednesday night. It was kind of rain-shortened. Denny Hamlin was the winner. And they had a lot. And always controversy. It's always something. Chase Elliott got spun out by Kyle Busch, waited in the pits. And Chase Elliott told Kyle Busch, you're number one, baby. And it just went on from there. This is why I love NASCAR, guys.
3: Well, I have to say, and I'm sitting here in front of my computer and looking at ESPN.com, and just seeing an actual sport that I recognize on that top bar of results from last night because we're taping this on Thursday. It's so nice to see, but a reminder of how um, odd the world is. So we have NASCAR, and then right next to it is the results from last night in the Costa Rican Primera League. Like that's the <laughs> old, that, that's the next closest sport uh, that we have to look at, but. But you're right. I mean, Mike, this notion of a sport getting back is really important. And, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about with baseball, too. Some of this is about, candidly, the national psyche.
1: It is. And I was out doing errands yesterday and I ran into a lot of people who know I'm a sportscaster and they said hey wasn't it great to have NASCAR racing back and I'm looking at some of these people and I know they don't know the difference between NASCAR or CarMax but they <laughs> were just so happy <laughs> I'm telling you they don't but they had something to put on and, and, and root for as yeah. a, you know They, they and they don't know Denny Hamlin from from Kyle Busch or Chase Elliott but they uh, they they just loved having something to look forward to and, and, and to watch and of course this thing uh, the crash that there was uh, caused by kyle bush allegedly you know has yeah. vince mcmahon written all over it there's villains there's heroes <laughs> totally there's, and so it was perfect
3: it was perfect theater you said denny hamlin they were like he was so good in la law back in the day yeah <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I should add too that kyle bush after the race at darlington uh, he owned up he said man it was my fault i i'm there's no question i made a mistake They're mad. We're going to have have ice cream tomorrow. (laughs) That's pretty much how this wound up. But oh my goodness, it was nice to have racing, some sport, some major sport back on TV. By the way, I think I had uh, Denny Hamlin in my NASCAR league too, so
3: that's good. Oh, oh There you man. go. Happy oh, well. for you.
0: The, one thing that always bothered me about NASCAR,
1: and I love watching NASCAR, is that uh, all these consortiums own a bunch of different racers, so you can actually lose but be happy because your car is like the Gibbs uh, to Joe Gibbs uh, yeah. Cars finish second. That That's be like the Yankees and Tigers playing for the American League Championship Series. And you're going to love this, Michael Barr. The Tigers win the American League Championship over the Yankees. But both teams are owned by the same owner. So the Yankees are saying, well, I'm really happy uh, for the Tigers, you know, because we're owned by this. We have the same owner. And that's the, just the only thing that's, that's hard for me to wrap myself around all these years watching
3: NASCAR. I'm Jason Kelly. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. My guest today is Chris Rondo. He is the CEO of Planet Fitness. Chris, we were joking before we came on that uh you and I talked maybe 5 6 weeks ago and and while not much has changed in the sense that we're probably talking to each other from the exact same spots, it does feel like the world has changed and certainly you've been busy sort of planning for, you know, what many are referring to as sort of the great reopening uh here Give us a state of play for Planet Fitness.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's been uh, quite the, quite the change for sure. We have uh, two thousand over two thousand stores here here uh, today. Um, today we've um, reopened about fifty um, so far. Really intrigued what we're seeing. Encouraged by what we're seeing with the initial fifty stores. Um, we have slated to open uh, of upwards of about 300 between now and uh, in mid-May, and then on the deck to open by uh, June 1st, hopefully 500 stores, so about 25% of our system by June 1, um, so long as everything um, is, you know, comes to fruition here and we uh, get all, all the training done and cleanliness protocols set up and uh, open these
3: stores. So how'd you get there? Walk me through the process briefly.
2: Sure. So we closed all stores about mid-March. Um, we have 99 corporate stores as well as the franchisees. So we shut down our stores. Um, and then, you know, immediately then, started beginning, the process of, like, what is this going to look like? You know, and, and each week was a learning experience. And then as you saw more of the government protocols, what they recommended for, you know, retail retails in general, what, what you need to do for social distancing and stuff. So then we decided how do we, how do we operate our stores going forward. Um, you know, one thing that's been great with our stores is we've always had disinfectant solution and paper towels, you know, scattered throughout the facilities, you know, within probably 30 feet of anybody's, you know, surroundings so that you can clean before and after you use members as well as staff and have to be a, a, a disinfectant that's approved by for the COVID virus. Uh, we we're already ahead of that just, you know, by, by accident, actually. So um, so a lot of that and it just, you know, how do members check in, uh, self-check in now, not. Grabbing somebody's keys and checking them in for them and their self check in. Um, reinforcing the etiquette for members to wash their, you know, clean their equipment when they before they use it and after they use it for the next patron to use. So um, a lot of that kind of training. And uh, now it's just relaunch, you know. So um, getting the stores ready with all the um, signage, you know, just to reinforce our etiquette and pro- cleaning protocols, bring employees back. A lot of them were furloughed from the, from the gym staff. So bringing them back and retraining them and getting them ready for customer service and cleanliness. Um, and, and bring them on board. And so far the fifty stores have been well received by the by the members. Um pleased with our actions that we've taken and staff has been really excited to come back to work, which has been yeah. great to
3: see. So what's the traffic like? Yeah, so the traffic the
2: member traffic usage workouts is probably the one that's the, the most different. Right now we're about fifty percent usage of what we would normally see this time of year. Um, joins and cancels though, believe it or not, cancels are, are a little bit high this first day. And then after that come right back down to the level of what we would normally see in the month of May. And the joins, believe it or not, have been really on par with last year at this time of year. So um and that's really without any kind of big promotions running or sales right now. So just a normal May joining Cadence. So it's been really good. And one really interesting fact which is interesting, but I think says a lot about people's eagerness to get back to real life is that you know what we cave the casual first timers. And almost forty percent of our gym members every day that are joining are never longer a gym in their lives. We're truly getting people off the couch. And even today with all you see in the news, you would say maybe that would pull back some. And we're still seeing today that forty percent of our new joints are people have never been longer a gym in their life and they're looking to to get started.
3: What worries you the most at this point in in terms of reopening? You're sort of on the vanguard uh, at this point. Obviously, it feels like things are are going well so far, but you read the same news that that I'm reading (laughs) and and talking about every day. You know, what's your worry and is it a regional sort of focus? Like what's kind of on your mind right now since we're all sort of on, on pins and needles here?
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think my, my biggest worry is, is probably you know any CEO's worry of, of any any retailer out there today is you know does this thing rear its head in six months? You know, yeah. um, there's no way to necessarily you know plan for that or or get ahead of that. You just gotta hopefully use what you've learned this time to to prepare or use next time it happens to go up to bed. But um, that'd be my only only fear. You know, I think right now I'm really encouraged what I'm seeing. I think people are are you going to get back to back to normal and back to some, some regular regular C, And I think they're, they're ready. You know, I, from what I've seen from the people joining, um, uh, without even promotions, they're coming in and ready to get started. So it's, it's been, it's been really intriguing to watch and, and a lot of good uh, positive consumer sentiment coming through, um, from social media for us that, uh, that we had, uh, you know, cross the T's and dot our I's to make sure everybody felt safe in our stores. But, um, I think longer term, you know, I think it's, you know, I think one thing's going to be changed from this. I really believe, honestly, that this, um, this you know, COVID virus thing has definitely probably um, had people realizing the importance of health and wellness going forward. The appreciation for being fitness, you know, be, being into fitness and being taking care of yourself when you see the unfortunate thing is the ones that this is affecting most are pre-existing conditions. So I think longer term, I think it's good for our industry.
3: Yeah, I do wonder about that, and and the industry it, it does feel like is is in a shift of some to some extent, and and you know, in speaking with with folks like you, it does feel like there may be, at least on the on the smaller end, the sort of boutique end, as it were, there may be a, a little bit of a, a reckoning coming. What does that mean for your business? Uh, do you think? And uh, first of all, do you agree with that, that? That maybe this this will wash out maybe some some smaller competitors. Not to be too glib about it, yeah, but yeah. you know, what's what's the net effect on the broader fitness business here?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think this will you know you know in in some ways, especially the higher price boutiques, you know, with with people either either out of work or. Or on or or on unemployment that you know they're gonna probably want to stay fit and do something but uh, you gotta pay 150 bucks a month or 30 bucks a class for a studio right so I think a lot of the boutiques are gonna feel this pain quite a bit especially with the especially with the social distancing when the boutiques are usually pretty. Pretty crammed space with you know a bunch of cycle studios or yoga. You know we really can't put that many people in a room. with there forced to spread out. Um, I think on the flip side of that too, I say the bigger boxes out there that you see, by the Gold's Gym is filed bankruptcy, 24 Hour Fitness is right. having some struggles right now too. That some of their um, other business models that maybe weren't as you know, profitable or or had as much cash flow are probably going to be feeling some of this pain as well. So I think, you know, longer term, I think Planet is in a really good spot. You know, it was since '09 with real estate. I think this will even make it better between gyms closing as well as other retailers probably not opening with as many stores as they close with. So I think the, the landlords, the uh, retail space availability will be in our favor even more so coming out of this for future growth.
3: Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I know it's incredibly busy, especially as you try to get to what we keep calling sort of this next normal. Interesting to see where it goes from here. Really appreciate your time. So I'm delighted to have with me Harvey Spivak, chairman of Equinox. I've known this guy for a long time, so I'm excited to get some time with you, Harvey. It's a big moment right now, it feels like, because we are talking about moving toward what, you know, many would describe as sort of the great reopening or at least taking steps to do that. Help us understand where Equinox is. As we speak
4: right now, um, we don't have anything that's open across our portfolio, whether it be Equinox Fitness Clubs or Equinox Hotel in New York, uh, SoulCycle or, or, or Blank Fitness. Um, we are evaluating uh, opening in Texas um, because we are permitted to open in Texas in the coming days. Um, and so it's possible that will be our first opening, um, uh, hopefully soon.
3: So what does it look like? I mean, you've had a task force working on this. I understand, you know, doctors, health experts, obviously folks from across the company. How do you go about putting together a plan?
4: So uh, we, we've, you know, when, the, when this first happened and we closed back in, in mid-March, you know, we, we first focused on uh, uh, protecting our employees and, and preserving our cash, as you would expect. With a company um, with no revenue, you know, you know, we're amongst those of the hardest hit, not just in, in the fitness category, but, you know, broadly, whether it be hospitality, F&B, retail, et cetera. And you know, I'm proud that we've been able to um, continue to employ the majority of our workforce, which is highly unusual. Um, and and the feedback we you know continue to get from our employees is obviously one one of great appreciation. And how we've allowed them to continue to pay their rent and put food on the table it, it has been critical. And I think that it's something important that we all need to do and and, and try to, to do more of. Um, as we all face the challenges of of the recession or, or, you know, economic pressure that that, that the U.S. is facing. Um, As we move past that, uh, we we focused um, on quickly addressing, you know, and engaging with with our members and our employees. Um, And I would like to spend a moment talking about uh, how we're doing that virtually but more specifically to opening our locations again, we created a a task force which includes um, some of the leading medical experts in infectious disease. Um, Some of these are external consultants to the CDC and epidemiologists to help inform how we should um, open our clubs and our studios in a safe and thoughtful way for our, our members and our employees as well as our writers at SoulCycle um, because that that is and has always been and continues to be a priority what 's interesting is as we embarked on this journey and, and it 's been a tireless effort from our team and i 'm very proud of their efforts but as we embarked on this on this journey um, to figure out what 's um, the right standard, what we kept hearing back from our members and writers that they have tremendous confidence and trust in, in us and our ability to create that safe environment for them, which we take that as a very serious responsibility. And so as we created the task force, and the task force started doing a lot of research and talking to the medical experts, we, we decided we created such a comprehensive plan that we, 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 we labeled it and, and, and named it the Equinox Standard. Mm-hmm. And the Equinox Standard takes our already high standards to a whole nother level, and there's multiple elements um, to it that include mandatory health decorations, but both our members and employees before they come each day. Uh, there'll be scheduled visits so we can control the uh, density and usage at the club um, at any given time. Of course, there'll be scheduled classes, whether it be at Equinox or Cycle. but we believe that all of our members will be able to get as many workouts as they typically get in over the course of the seven days, but they'll, we'll need them to be more scheduled and we do need cooperation from them, not just in continuing to support the community, but also being thoughtful around the community and take some responsibility themselves. We'll have contactless check-in um, throughout the club, including transactions. And, of course, you know, when you start thinking about not just the, the health and safety, obviously cleaning is paramount here. And, and, and one thing that's been a, a standard and widely recognized, a high standard at Equinox since you know, we started back in 1991, but we've worked hard to find different cleaning materials that are both EPA and CDC approved um, to make sure that we are not just doing ongoing cleaning, but deep cleaning with the best um, uh, materials that also provide um, a safe environment for our employees as well as our members. We'll also be using electrostatic sprays, um, which also um, are proven in, in, in killing viruses Um, and reach a lot more coverage. And so you'll see some of our employees with backpacks spraying throughout the day, once again, safe safe for our members.
3: So, Harvey, i got to ask you, I mean, you've been in this business for a while, and as you say, I mean, this has always been something that's been front of mind for you, and and clearly it resonates with, with your members. I do wonder, as you went through this process, personally, like, what were the things that that sort of either surprised you or sort of jumped out at you, maybe a new innovation or or a new type of product? Or or what was it that as you look back on sort of this process of putting this plan together, that that sort of jumps out at you most?
4: You know, there's there's clearly a a lot of lessons learned. I, I would say relative or relevant to us is Some of the things were more reinforcement, Mm -hmm. um, but there were some surprises. So uh, on the the reinforcement side, um, how much love and passion there are from our members and employees for our brands um, was really nice to feel and and experience, but how much they desire community. um, We knew that. We've always been about community, but that desire is, is stronger than ever. And the desire to come back and come back quickly, we've surveyed our members and our riders, and 70% say they would come back as soon as we open. Um, In my mind, that's remarkably high, despite all the unknowns ahead. Um, That's also, I think, very symbolic of the trust and confidence they they have in us. So, you know, in in addition to community, I think what we've all learned is, you know, there's no replacement for, and I know you, you are... A, a, a active participant in this regard. There's no replacement for for maintaining a healthy lifestyle, right? Um, because that helps your immune system, and so there's been an explosion of virtual fitness offerings. Um, some of them good, a lot of them not so good. But no, regardless, it just demonstrates the huge demand. And we were already on this journey to marry the online and offline. We had embarked over a year ago on this vision of being able to serve our community in a way that nobody else can do. So what we believe is our, our member, our rider, is basically mindset has moved to a no-days-off mindset and wants the highest quality brands, but they want to be able to move across brands, they want to be able to move across modalities, and they want to do it physically and digitally. And so despite the explosion for digital, which just shows the the increasing and accelerating demand for living a healthy lifestyle, it also shows that people want the online, offline experience. Right. And we're uniquely qualified to do that. And so that's why we accelerated the launch of VARUS, you know, the first of its kind multi-brand, multi-modality digital platform. Uh, We've launched that uh, complimentary to our members during The closure period, despite us not charging them even their dues, Um, we've had tremendous feedback there. We've also accelerated the launch as part of that digital offering, um, the at-home Soul Bike, which is also we've started delivering and people are very excited about and getting uh, great feedback and and accelerating demand there. But the biggest surprise was with respect to virtual personal training, and so we did not have a virtual personal training business um, before um, COVID-19 and before we closed. And within 60 days, we established a virtual personal training program, which now has 70% of our trainers engaging on that platform. Um, we clearly... So have how many people
3: is that roughly, give or take, Harvey? How many people is that?
4: Oh, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's thousands. Really? It's thousands of people. Yes. I mean, it, it's remarkable. And, and people love it. And so, you know, if you think about what does that mean for the future, well, jason who typically might come to the club and work with his or her trainer two times a week in the club which is the norm and the reason why is on weekends he might be you know not as close to the club because he comes close to where he works or because family plays a role now virtually he can get a third session and so that's going to help him optimize his results And so we, so this explosion, we've stood up this business literally overnight, but what it says to us is, and reinforces the vision that we were already um, on the path, which is, hey, there is a world here where, and you always got to anticipate, and we've done a great job of anticipating what the consumer wants. There is a world here where the future is, I want to be able to do it physically and digitally. I want to do it across my favorite brands. I want to be able to do it across, I want to do it across modalities. I want to do it. How I want it, when I want it, where I want it, but I want it to be seamless. Right. And we're uniquely qualified to do that. And so th- that is something we were already on the path, but based on what we've experienced, we know that we are more confident than ever um, that that's going to be a-, a big winning strategy for us in the years to come.
3: And so, what are you learning from Varus so far in terms of what people are using, how often they're using it? As you say, it's a, you've got a bunch of different modalities on there. I've, I've been fortunate enough to play around with it a little bit and it's interesting you know to sort of go down these various sort of rabbit holes whether it's meditation or yoga or you know some of the cycling and and running stuff what what's sort of coming back initially i know it's early days and this is an unusual time but what are you hearing from the team what are you observing
4: so what what we're clearly hearing is you know we we love the offering give us more Mm -hmm. um more classes, uh, more um, modalities, but what's, and, and, and the average user is using it almost three times a week, which is uh, very high. So there, there's a high level of engagement um, as there is with, you know, our daily check in, which is this curated content where we got 250,000 people checking in daily. So there's, there's high in- engagement with uh what we're doing i would say one of the things that is uh, it's probably aggressive to say a surprise but it is a surprise and we all know that there is a growing issue around melt, mental health yeah. and mental wellness uh, and so our meditation um through a headstrong brand has been extremely popular um and you know while a lot of uh, participants finish all the entire class some people don't finish entire class but what they're finishing with great frequency, now they're short of duration, is meditation. Right. And we actually also feature now live meditation um, a couple of times a day, and it's extremely popular. Um, we went as far as trying to help the frontline workers and offering it through Robinhood in partnership with Robinhood um, directly to frontline workers, whether, whether they were a member or not, um, just to help them get through the challenges that they were facing.
3: And so – How does this experience sort of change what you do as you do reopen and and you get back to some sense of, you know, what some folks are calling sort of the next normal, learning what you've learned about how your members deal in an online environment, knowing a lot about what they do in a real world or offline environment. Do you invest in, in different modalities More? Do you look at new opportunities? Like what are what are the learnings that are sort of kicking around your head right now?
4: So, uh, great great question. I I talked about the Equinox standard and how other companies are coming to us and actually asking us to partner with them not not in the industry, just broadly defined. You know, other lifestyle service providers um, because they know our our standards are so high and they're looking for our, our, our health. Our help and also to tap into our brand equity as the standard. But the other thing, the other big initiative that we that we've announced is Equinox Plus, which is this integrated uh, membership, which serves the online and offline. And and so, look, there, there's a lot of fear out there, and we don't know how fast people are going to come back. Hopefully, the research says they're going to come back to our physical locations um, faster than we would have anticipated. But I I, I do see a world where we're going to be more engaged with our community more frequently on a daily basis to help serve their needs, whatever that may be. So Jason might on Tuesday be working out in an Equinox fitness club with his trainer. On Wednesday, his trainer might suggest he do something, a Precision 1 class um, outdoors virtually. And on Thursday, based on us seeing that activity, we might suggest you should take a day off and you should do some regen work, stretching, rolling and th- things of that nature and or a meditation. And so, so I, 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 I see a future world that has got me, you know, very energized and very excited where we are more engaged with our uh, community uh, than ever before. And, and I think ultimately, that is obviously great for the community, um, great for our talent. Um, our, our members want more and more from our talent, and and, and and good business at the same time.
3: So, does the customer change going forward? And I do wonder about this. And, and I think back to a conversation you and I had for my book, where we talked about, you know, the the Great Recession and and the resiliency, candidly, that your business had that I think surprised you at the time in terms of even, you know, in very dire economic times, you know, people holding on to their Equinox membership, maybe over vacations or, or things like that. Uh, and, and keep me honest that I don't want to misquote you on that. But, but I do wonder, we are going to go into a, a tough economic time. We're already in a, in a tough economic time. And I wonder how the composition of, of your membership changes or if you anticipate that at all
4: no you uh, good good memory because that was a long time ago uh, we, we demonstrated through multiple recessions but most you know significantly through 2008 that um, we are what I would say is recession recession resilient um, that our members at the time started prioritizing more more so um, their health and well-being than they had historically and that um, and that they wanted a, a high-quality offering with the, with the best talent, and uh, that was Equinox. And so we actually performed you know, very well during the 2008-2009 the uh, recession, which led us to um, then go about and say, well, how can we benefit from what's emerging in terms of the trend and, and we went out and bought SoulCycle. It was a very small business at the time, and obviously the success there speaks for itself. And we also launched Blink. Uh, I, I, I see that there, there definitely will be some you know, pressure and some people that, regardless of how great the Equinox standard is or how um, integrated Equinox Plus is, that they will still be concerned about going into a physical location, Mm -hmm. whether because they have an underlying condition or because of their age or whatever it may be. I I, I think that percentage will not be very big over time, but I think there'll still be a a percentage there. But I also think we're going to have an influx of demand for two reasons. One is health is the new wealth. I've talked about that repeatedly over the last couple of years, but there's going to be a big flight to quality. The consumer, in my mind, even if they have to stretch – is going to look to a brand like Equinox as the place where they want to be. And if it means one less meal out or they got to save somewhere else, they're going to do it because they're going to want Equinox, and Equinox is in a category of one. The the, the other aspect I will say is, is an unfortunate one, but I do think the landscape's going to change and change dramatically. There will be, just like there will be in retail and F&B, unfortunately, and as a lifelong New Yorker, it, it breaks my heart to even – even acknowledge that, there's going to be in the fitness category, there's going to be a, a lot of um, places that don't open or don't open well. And, and so there's going to be an opportunity for some to emerge as big winners. I think we will be one of those companies. It will be lots of uncertainty and lots of challenges between now and then, but I, I do think we'll be one of those big winners for that reason as well.
3: And so let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, what, what does that sort of reckoning look like in your estimation? Do you anticipate maybe some M&A opportunities? Do you anticipate maybe picking up some talent selectively? How does, this, how does this shake out, and how do you operate in a world where there is so much uncertainty, especially amid this sort of scattered landscape?
4: Well, the entrepreneur in me, is, you know, loves – you know, kind of, you know, anytime there's some adversity and I don't love that, you know, we're going through this as a country or as a world from a pandemic perspective, but from a pure business perspective, you know, adversity brings opportunity. And so there's going to be opportunities. I I, I don't necessarily for us see it so quickly as anything significant from an M&A perspective. Maybe there's some um, small things, but I don't Mm -hmm. see anything significant there. Um, But but what I do see, and we're already seeing it, is is, is the the talent um, side. I mean, the talent, um, which is such a heart, the heart uh, of our brands. Um, You know, we, once again, you know, continue to uh, pay the majority of our people, which is so unprecedented, not just the pandemic, but just how we're handling that. And, you know, other talent is noticing that. And I think that we're in for a macro shift where, you know, it was kind of fun to do the startup thing or the entrepreneurial thing, but I think there's going to be one of the trends that will shift from the workforce perspective is greater desire for working for a company that is stable, that's going to, that has been, and will continue to be around for a long time, that takes care of its people, that has strong values. And and, and so we're, we're, we're one of those companies. And, and so I, we, we've already have a lot of that incoming, uh, in terms of, uh, the talent wanting to, to work for us, and so we're going to be highly selective. But there'll definitely be opportunities in that regard, whether it be, you know, the talent that you know teaches the classes or the personal trainers, but also you know executive talent as well.
3: So I know you are a voracious consumer of all things related to this, and you keep a close eye on everybody who's doing everything. It would be um, journalistic malpractice if I didn't ask you about Peloton and what's been going on over the past couple of years with their IPO and, and what they've been able to do from a public market perspective here. What do you take from that in terms of, of the broader market and the broader opportunity?
4: I think it, it, it suggests that there's growing demand for fitness. Um. And, and and some of that, and, and obviously the case of Peloton is, is is the virtual or digital offering, but I also believe it's important to anticipate the needs of the consumer and and I think the the, the long term play is marrying the, the the physical and the digital in an integrated and seamless way for the consumer and so I like that there's not just Peloton that the, all these virtual offerings showing this you know amazing demand for living a healthy lifestyle, engaging in fitness, which is important to people's once again immune system, but I also think it speaks volumes to the opportunity ahead for for ourselves um, and the unique way we're positioned to be able to provide our members with um, a physical. And virtual integrated offering, whether that's personalized through virtual coaching or that's just being able to seamlessly move about back and forth physically and digitally, whether it be within one brand or cross-brand. So one of the things you asked about, what are, what are the, some of the surprises on the virus side, is it's really interesting to see an Equinox member now having access to pure yoga content right? or content from SoulCycle. I mean, that, that's, that's big added value to the membership, and I think we're uniquely positioned to, to do that. And, and I think that that is a big part of the opportunity ahead for us.
3: So, Harvey, before I let you go, I just have one last question. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned you're a lifelong New Yorker. You know, you're watching the, the city sort of cope with this. You're watching your industry uh, cope with, with all of this. Like, how do you think it's changed you as a leader, as, as an executive, as an entrepreneur, uh, as, you, as you mentioned earlier? How are you different on the other side of this, you think?
4: So, you know, that, that that's a, a great question, Jason, and um, I, I challenge myself to find time to, to think about it. Unfortunately, you know, every day is like Groundhog Day, and, and you know, we, we all jump from Zoom to Zoom. But I, I would say, you know, first and foremost, since this whole started, I've always been an active participant in, in our offering, um, as, as you know, but I, I fully have embraced no days off. I mean, I, I am... Uh, training seven days a week, um, three times a week virtually with my coach of many years um, who does a great job for me, and the other days on my own, whether through Varus, um, taking a precision run class or taking a soul cycle class uh, on, on the soul at home bike. Um, but I am engaging seven days, and what that's doing for me is giving me uh, even more clarity Than ever before of uh, of of how to think about things, um, how to emotionally engage, and it's also allowing me to show up well for as a result for my family, my friends, um, and and the employees that that I love so much, and 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 so when you start that that's a a big help to me, and then I start saying, well, how do I need to show up for? I've got a young workforce. And, you know, one of the things that you realize over the years, and, I, and, I, and it just has been reinforced in, in recent times for me, but I go back to even 2008. And I remember in 2008, I was standing in front of, unplanned, I was standing in front of our, well, I should say planned, but not for the reasons of what was to happen. I was standing in front of our uh, leadership team, you know, top 100 people in the company at the time. So it's is fall of 2008, mm. the day, the morning after Bear Cerns um, imploded. And I looked at, and everybody, you know, this young workforce was kind of white, and they were looking for guidance. And, you know, I kind of threw my script out the window of what I was going to talk about. It was supposed to be a planning session, and I shared with them how I was thinking about it. And you could just see the the shoulders come down, the, the faces lighten up. And so one of the things that I've done with great frequency with our teams is, one, is, is communicate more than ever. Um, that's always you – know, we know it's important, but you, you realize in times like that, this, it's more important than ever. Um, and it's part of that. That's town halls. That's informal. That's formal. That's lots of different ways. That's through memos. Um, but it's also helping them how to think about this, both personally and professionally, and that also giving them permission to know that it's okay to find some – opportunity to laugh and and, and enjoy and, and, and as well as to giving them permission to say it's going to be okay. okay. Unfortunately, it, it's tragic that we've had the deaths that we've had. Um, it breaks my heart to know that as a New Yorker that so many of the one-off restaurants won't reopen um, and how that affects our culture and, and those who work at those restaurants and, and retail and, and what have you. But we're a resilient country. We're a resilient um, uh, city as New York. Every time we have a, a major crisis and everybody says, you know, New York's going to be different. Yeah, it's different, but we always come back stronger and better than ever. And, and I think that that's what will happen in New York. It's going to take time. We've got some tough times ahead, um, and we need some you know strong hands on the wheel in terms of the economy and how to recover from it um corporate new york has to participate in that um corporate new york and 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 the u.s. has to try to to do the best under the circumstances to take care of their employees um and i think if we collaborate just like farmers collaborating right now and finding a vaccination um we got a lot of smart people out there and we'll all um a lot of us will come out um, much better than when we started this whole process
3: Harvey Spivak, really good to talk with you. Good to catch up with you. Look forward to seeing you in person uh, before too long. Very generous with your time. I know you've got a a lot going on and uh, continue to catch up and uh, check in with you throughout this brave new world. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the time as well. So, guys, you know, two very different perspectives in some ways. The same business but on opposite ends of the spectrum. To some extent, what do you make of the the fitness world these days? You know, we've talked a lot about professional sports, but we also know that there's a huge, huge business around, you know, keeping ourselves in shape. Mike, what did you think?
1: Well, my, my takeaway first from Chris Rondo was that uh, he was ahead of the game with his uh, antibacterial uh, hand cleanser that's uh, – uh, prevents COVID-19, and, and he simply admitted that we had it by accident. Yeah. But I think that, uh, you know, I think gyms, uh, like like Planet Fitness, have been practicing social distancing for a long, long time. Um, you know, people are intimidated. You don't. You don't want to sit down next to a weightlifting machine next to Lou Ferrigno. You want to get eight <laughs> benches away from him, right? <laughs> and, and and the women that come in there uh, don't want to stand next to work out on the treadmill next to Miss America, so they're going to go in the in the far corner. So I think that's already built in there right now, and I think they've got an edge. People are. Uh, uh, want to feel good about themselves and 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 something that Harvey uh, Spivak talked about was the uh, the mental well-being of people as well uh, that are going through such a hard time between jobs and first responders and uh, hanging around the house and that meditation um, he's noticed that people are checking in and staying with their meditation part of their well-being as much as their physical well-being as well those
0: are my two takeaways
3: yeah Michael Barr what do you think
0: First of all, let me start. That's why Planet Fitness has the Lunk Alarm. That's why you don't want to be next to a Lou Ferrigno. I've heard that thing go off over and over again when I'm in the gym. By the way, for people who don't know, the lunk alarm is you, you've got some guy in there and he's grunting and it's like, rrr, 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 and and the weights are crashing down and I, and finally someone hits it. It's like, shut up! And then they hit that bu- <laughs> alarm button, and that's the lunk alarm. Is like, all right, we, just the casual people here are at the gym trying to stay in shape. But on a more personal note. And I have to admit, it's like, listen, I'm and it's not because of, you know, the gentlemen that uh, running the gyms are are great. They are. It's just that I have an apprehension of going to a gym right now. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's yes, you can wipe it down as much as you can. uh, But, you know, the the covid-19 pandemic out there has made me realize how this virus can spread and very easy. And I hope one day we get the vaccine for it. And maybe that's when I'll go back to the gym. Um, But that's just my personal view.
3: Yeah, it's an look, I think it's going to be a a huge debate. I mean, we were talking about it around our dinner table uh, after I did these interviews. And, you know, my wife is like, I'm not in any hurry to go back. I'm just not sure that. And, you know, and and she, you know, goes to the gym a a fair amount in in normal times. Whereas my 17-year-old, who's... Basically created what we uh, lovingly refer to now as his prison gym in our garage with just like some borrowed dumbbells and not even a real bench. And he's literally like chalking his reps uh, using his little sister's sidewalk chalk. Uh, He's ready to go back as soon as it like as soon as our local gym opens. He's back there. So, you know, this is a it's almost a microcosm of what we're seeing across the country in terms of how different people in different parts of the country and I think of different ages and uh, all of those things uh, tend to feel. Yeah, I really was interested in the sort of compare and contrast. And I was also fascinated by Harvey Spivak talking about, you know, this Equinox standard that they're going to try and set. And you do wonder, you know, if what it takes to get people like you back in the gym, Michael, is, you know, this sort of gold standard of cleanliness, um, or if, as you say, it's got to be much further down the line uh, when you get to, uh, you know, something where people feel safe because of a vaccine or some sort of medical breakthrough.
1: My goal is if you don't want to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since I'm a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike.
0: We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports: The Number of the Week. Time now for the Number of the Week. Yeah, this isn't going to be easy. I'm not going yeah. to play. <laughs> there we go. Here everybody we go. Everybody, play along at home and watch Jason and Mike. Say, <laughs> doggone it! Fumble <Michael>. around. <laughs> Here's the number: eighteen point four million dollars, or fifteen million pounds. Now that's a reason why I gave that
3: translation. All right. So hmm. it has something to do. Does it have something to do with Premier League soccer? Ah, uh, you're on the right track.
0: Hmm. Soccer on the yes, it, it's right. You're right.
3: <laughs> is it how much? The, is it like the transfer price for a player? No, but you but you're on the right track. Yeah. I, All right, Mike Lynch, help me out here. I, I'm, I'm. It's, it's got to be. Flailing. It's,
1: it's got to be a, 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 a total amount of losses for the
0: league. You're uh, really, really on the right track. You're burning hot. Uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I might have to give that to you, man. That's uh, that, that's that's a win for Mike. There. It's like well, both you guys won. You can both did. So Manchester United, the revenue dropped in the third quarter as the club estimated it will have to pay. A 15 million pound or 18.4 million dollar rebate to broadcasters after the coronavirus pandemic put a halt wow. to soccer. That's that's a big chunk of change. So,
3: First of all, big win for Mike Lynch. Well done. Um, <laughs> Second is, I mean, I think that speaks to a really important point, though. I mean, it goes all the way back to what we were talking about at the top of the show with Major League Baseball, sort of how these leagues make their money becomes so important. You obviously have baseball really worried about the gate, but... If the revenue from the broadcast partners isn't there, I mean that is one of the reasons why so many people have a literal vested interest in sports getting back, guys.
0: You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. Where we here each and every week at the same time, plus online wherever you get your podcast. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Barr Sports. Long live Ricky Bobby. I'm Mike Lynch <laughs> at
1: Lynchy WCBV. <laughs>
3: And I'm Jason Kelly at Jason Kelly News Shake and Bake. Thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with some of the biggest names in the world of money and sports. If you
0: ain't first, you're last. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world.